Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together if you with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're gonna ramble about a bunch of shit. Because uh, yes. I and haven't nerd- had much time to watch anything. Um, even though we haven't recorded in almost two weeks. <laughs> uh, well, you've had, uh, you've had, uh, you know, you've had this like weird bundle of joy that you've had in your life. And it like, you know, it's thrown everything off, right? You didn't have a kid. We're just talking about Ripley, your dog. Um, We've watched a lot of Spin City. I've been watching Spin City. (laughs) That's great, though. I mean, come on. Like, this, this this time of year, sometimes, at least for me, it's easier to put on, put on stuff that's not, that's kind of like, you can just not ignore, but just inactively watch because you yeah. know the beats. Like the last thing that I watched recently, um, <laughs> last night, and it was something that I prompted, like a plot prompted a blind text uh, to you, which is I watched uh, that Gran Turismo movie. And <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's whatever. It's very cliche. Like if you've seen Days of Thunder, you've seen this. You've seen this movie. But the only thing that separates like this from anything else that's a standard issue race racing movie is David Harbour is like acting the, like, you know, is, is like doing his best Bruce Willis grizzled blue collar, like charismatic leading man thing and leaving everybody in the dust. Um, so yeah, like I was like, but I mean, it's something I can ignore. Like I, I don't ignore it. It's just, it's not, there's no stakes to it. Right. Like I'm not, yeah. Like, like, like on Friday, we're going to be watching uh, The Maestro. And the reason why it's on Friday was because, so I can give it a, a little bit of attention. And it's not, you know, because it's like these big deal things, right? Like, you kind of like watch these things and you go, oh, shit, man, this is a slog. It's not even a slog. It's just, man, this is a lot. And they're releasing it during Christmas time where I already have enough pressure as it is. Yeah. Jesus. You know. <laughs> I've heard this movie mentioned so many times. And I, I know what it is. <laughs> But yeah, and especially because you know it's about Leonard Bernstein. Uh, yeah, it always, 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 always makes me think about the episode of Seinfeld. Like I <laughs> cannot yes. hear the word maestro without thinking about the maestro on Stro. Seinfeld and yes. that whole th- like. It's just I don't know. I fucking love Seinfeld, man. It was it was a one of one man. It was one of a kind. Though many people tried to imitate it, it, it still like it never. No one ever could like it. Just it's like I know that some people will say like Simpsons is the de facto best TV show of all time, best comedic TV show. No 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 way no day. I don't care if there's a hundred seasons of of Simpsons. It will always be Seinfeld. It will yeah. always be those nine those nine seasons of Seinfeld, uh, because they did what Simpsons Simpsons basically stole what Jerry and Larry were doing, which was building upon joke upon joke and history upon history, and in a way that didn't seem obvious, 
and wouldn't seem obvious until we got to the reruns, right? Like, we're talking about an era of, of TV where if you weren't there or you didn't put your VCR on record, guess what? Yeah, you, you, uh, to... you didn't know when you were going to see it again. Exactly. Um, that's why they called it appointment television. Um, and so, like, it wasn't an only, like, I mean, Seinfeld was always big, but I feel like our generation didn't lift it up to the holy golden calf that it is until we started get, until the advent of DVD. Yeah. Because at that point we actually had them and we could watch them over and over again in a continuous loop. And we started to see everything that they did and the weird emotional ticks that what that went through like the the what eight years that Seinfeld was on the earth, 10 years, however long it was. I mean, it, it, it's, it's weird because the, the first, 90s. the first few seasons are, it's like 10 episodes over almost like two years, almost. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it was on for a while, but it's only nine seasons. Um, so, but it, yeah. in, I mean, you know, it's one of a handful of shows that you can point to and go, Oh, it absolutely went out on top like oh yeah and, and not even uh, like th- that that finale got a lot of flack but honestly if you watch the show like in succession and get to that finale much like the office finale like it pays off so much stuff like I, we can argue about like the the them going to jail and like all of mm-hmm. that like it, but it's just a it's a goofy idea to serve the like, hey, let's bring everybody back. And like these characters are beloved, but we're going to point out like literally they're trash human beings. <laughs> like they're they're so yes. terrible. They're not good people. They were never good people. And no. it's just, like you love them, but they are not good people. And, and so the like the it's one of the few shows I think in history the quality never dipped. Like you no. know, there's a lot of sitcoms people will point to. Like I know Cheers is beloved and that finale's really good. No season of Cheers is terrible, but the quality definitely. It's funny because as a kid I liked the Rebecca stuff, and now oh, I'm just did? like, oh, this is not good. Like, yeah, it's not terrible, but most of it is not good. Like, it really I, is. I really just didn't like, um, uh, what's her name? Like, I was like, oh, I like Rebecca much better. Uh, yeah. uh but Christy, uh, Christy Alley, yeah, you didn't like um, Christy Alley, you like Shelly Long, like, no, I didn't like uh, Shelly Long, you didn't like Diane, no, oh. That so, is weird. We are I, now. I oh do. man. Now. Oh I okay. Do. Okay. Oh okay. As I a kid, I did. As oh, a kid, I was okay. just like, she is so annoying and so pretentious and so. And now, now as an adult, I'm just like, oh yeah, I get it. As a kid, <laughs> I was just like, I do. This is. She's like, why would anybody want? Like, why is she here? Why does she stay here? Why? You know, I I just didn't like it. Now I do. But, like, Cheers okay. definitely dipped. Like, I, I'm not a big Friends fan at all, but mm-hmm. I've seen every episode. That show definitely drops in quality. Like, there's some decent stuff in the later years, but, like, you know, it, it's it's got, it's very up and down. 
you know? Yes. It's no, just that, one that of those true. shows that, like, it just, it it peaked. They got out mm-hmm. at the right time. The quality never, like, uh, and I know the episode doesn't air in syndication. And I get why. <laughs> and uh, I don't, we, actually, <laughs> we've never discussed this. So I don't know your feelings on it. Oh, sorry. Uh, so the the penultimate episode of Seinfeld is the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, Ripley's <laughs> even already starting to yap about yeah. this one. <laughs> it doesn't air in syndication, but it is yeah. available for streaming and it is on the DVD sets. I get why. Mm-hmm. But when's the last time you watched that episode? Um, About think it was about when was the time okay so my theory on this is this it's it would have been brought back in the in in the mid 2000s if it wasn't for um if it wasn't for the breakdown of uh you know uh, of um jesus christ i can't even think of his michael name. richards yeah michael richards at yeah. the comedy club because that compounded it and that also like look let's be honest here like seinfeld has not been known for pushing buttons but if you go back and you watch the show there's a lot of button button pushing that they do i mean that one george is homophobic as shit yes he is so scared that somebody will think he's gay (laughs) like like they're like and like you know like they're not good people right and this is not like this was we all know from behind the scenes this was larry david this was all larry david and we all know about larry david which is is that he pushes buttons and so like i don't i don't think it's racist i think it toes the line of what's acceptable but Considering what we've seen in the last, like, say, 10, 15 years from comedy and how pe- far people go, I feel like it gets, like, at the time I understand, now I feel like its reputation is just heavy, heavy-handed um, in a point to where this kind of shit happens in New York. If you've spent enough time, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but post 9-11, I actually, for my job, spent an entire Christmas that, that, that year, 2000 and what was it? 2001. Um, after the nine 11, like after the, after nine 11, like from December to February, almost March, I spent in New York as a corporate trainer training in and around of New York. And I will tell you this much. Never had I went like when I came back, went back to watch something so quickly as to watch all of my, all of my DVDs of Seinfeld that I had. But also everything made sense because something like this happens probably every 20 seconds in New York. So them making this big deal about it, which is something a common occurrence. I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it, it's weird. It, it, it's weird because it's like <laughs> but all it's around. Like, does everybody know? Like, I guess they don't. Maybe they don't know. It's like Kramer accidentally. He starts a fire on a Puerto Rican flag and then stomps on it. But it's also a callback yes. to his, like, the like the AIDS walk 
Um, like it, it's Kramer has constantly, constantly done something like that to offend a group of people inadvertently. Like it, it, yeah. it was a running theme, you know. Yeah. Like I, I mean, honestly, like, and again, I'm a straight white male talking here, so like, ignore it. But like, I, I've seen every episode of Seinfeld twenty five times. And mm-hmm. the the episode with the Japanese businessman, I think, is oh, far more racially yes. insensitive than him accidentally setting a Puerto Rican flag on fire and stomping it out. So, yes, I, like that's it's uh, <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. I mean, but it's also like they're Japanese tourists. I said businessmen, I meant tourists. Uh, they're Japanese tourists and Kramer's taking advantage of them and and like they play up all of that. Like I but like you said, like they it was never necessarily about the button pushing, but it was it never shied away from stereotypical shit. Like Yeah. Almost every group of people got boiled down to a stereotype at some point, including them. You know, like what's more stereotypical than a uh, a white yuppie woman who can't fucking dance? You know, like <laughs> seriously, you know, uh, a, a self-loathing <laughs> Jewish man, uh, yeah, an angry self-loathing <laughs> Jewish man. I mean, there's so many like a short balding. <laughs> Like fucking self-centered, lazy, <laughs> just I and but yeah, the, like if you go back and watch the Puerto Rican Day Parade, yes, like there's a lot of I mean that fucking that episode is so funny, man. Well, the all of the like I'm remembering it now. The 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 the, the stupidity that happens with the the golf. Yeah, the, uh, the car and that fucking guy and how like how, what assholes they are to him, like, and, and them just, having to use the bathroom and yes. like going to that apartment viewing, and and it's uh, Penny Packer and Art Vandalay and I forget what Jerry's name is, um, <laughs> and they're like uh, putting on these carrot. It's like it's so broad and stupid and silly and and it's just like and every and and people are upset because he stomps on a, a flag that he accidentally sets on fire i get it just like the episode of the office where they do the bell snickle and there's a yes. scene where uh mose is coming in in blackface and he call he texts him and he just seen walking towards the office looking at his phone and turn around and walking away I get it, but also the joke is that it's offensive. Like that's yes. the joke. It's offensive. Yeah. That's why it's funny. It's not funny and offensive. It's funny because these people are clueless that it's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Funny. I like. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're not. You're definitely not. Like. Um, it's funny because, like, let's be honest, like, like, I've been thinking about this recently, not Seinfeld, though Seinfeld does, like, the Roman Empire come up more 
more in my mind the like Seinfeld comes up more than than the Roman Empire. Let's just say that much. But like I like like recently I've been thinking a lot about um about quote unquote like likability in characters and how some of my favorite things in the world are about the most terrible people in the world. And like Seinfeld is about terrible, terrible fucking people. The office is about terrible fucking people. Like it's just that there's this common ground there where you don't feel as bad about yourself when yeah. you compare yourself to these fucking Nancy nitwits. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's funny how like people are okay with rewatching something like the office, but then if you make something that toes the line now in, in the 2020s, they absolutely reject it. Like it was okay that we built this shit and yet you continue to fucking watch it. And these fucking people are trash, but Oh God forbid, if there's a new something that comes out that is morally complex and doesn't adhere to everybody's perfect except for everybody's fucking everybody and they give an excuse for it. I find that fascinating because it's, it's really like, an extension of the conversation we had on the last episode talking about yeah. Norman Lear, who yes. understood that a character like Archie Bunker, like I said, it's funny because it's offensive and he's clueless to that fact. Yes, it's, it's not the fact that you're. Oh, go ahead. It's not that you're laughing like, ha ha, yeah, like he's right, like you got like all these minorities like just need to learn their place and like that kind of like just wrong-headed thinking. Like it's not laughing. At, you're literally not laughing at like with them. You're laughing at them. Like yes, you're literally laughing at Kramer because it's like you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you, you the, the refusing bastard. to wear the ribbon for the AIDS yes. walk. <laughs> you dumb bastard. Just put the ribbon on. It's something it's something that we talked about offline that we will not bring up here, but it's about the whole thing of doing something for the greater good and your fucking ego not letting you do it. Your ego getting in the way. And that's what's funny is your fucking ego getting in the way of something so simple. That's what makes me laugh. Like George, George and his stupidity. What what makes me laugh is not that it's stupid it's the fact that it's always these micro aggressions that make him like these micro things that enrage him to a point of silliness like i, I literally what i relate but, so much to george costanza like the older i've gotten like understanding my own anxieties and depressions mm -hmm. and frustrations and i watched there's an episode where George goes to see a therapist and has basically uh, like not a breakdown, but like a, a rage because he cannot get the fucking zipper to his jacket open. Yes. While he's I in the therapist. It. And I'm just like, this is my life. That's, that's me. Like I, I'm, I will take the steps to, to better myself. And then like, I will have a total fucking meltdown because like I the zipper on my jacket's broke and I'm just like fuck it <laughs> like everything's garbage <laughs> burn it down I hate everything 
like, why am I still alive? And it's just like, yes, it's, it's just a jacket, man. <laughs> like, it's okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I totally fucking feel you on that one. It, it's so fucking just, it, it's humanity, right? Like, that's what it is. It, yeah. Like, I don't know what, I don't like, you know, humanity is messy. Like humanity is very messy. Like we're not, we're not, we're, no one's perfect. Everything is imperfect, but you know, we're like, as long as you're striving to be better, like that's all that matters. Right. To me, that's all that matters. Like what, what's funny about what's funny about Seinfeld to me is that me watching it, these people refute, like they're the typical, they're, they are the very definition of New Yorkers. We have, we have a friend in common that loves New York um loves new york i feel like he wants to move there yeah but what i what 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 i feel that is missing from that is the fact that i feel like he would need to make nine figures to live the life that he wants to live in new york because real real new york is fucking puerto rican day is fucking everything that you see from seinfeld but it actually ends in violence you don't want want to know why I know that is because I lived, I lived three, I lived at least three months there enough to know that shit gets real, real fast there. And it gets very weird there. Like it is a, like, I feel like, okay. So like, if you want my take on New York and please New Yorkers take it the fucking wrong way. I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's right. I'm just as well as you. Fuck you guys. Um, New York, New York is both Seinfeld and Spike Lee at the same goddamn time. Because it goes from funny to violence in about two shakes of a lamb's tail. And that's New York. Like, that's, I mean, you've been to New York, right? Like, yeah. you, you went to New York. Like, you can see it on the edges. Like, even in the nice parts, you can see it on the edges. It's yeah. so weird. It, and it's like, whenever I see the post from our mutual friend, I'm always like, and it's about New York. I think, I even have a couple I think of they're them. way too nice to live in New York. <laughs> yes. They would get mugged on a daily basis. And... <laughs> You know what it is? Like, you know what I see? Like, like the first time they went, all I could kept on thinking about was the out of towners. Like, I yeah. like, because they are yeah. so nice that I felt like there was something bad that was going to happen. And then yeah. when, when it didn't, I was like, "Thank God!" Thank God. But then when I <laughs> like when I heard that it was like a Wes Anderson type trip, like, "Oh, it's wonderful! It's like Wes Anderson movies." I'm like, "Oh shit! You guys got the wrong experience." <laughs> I have another. I have another friend that lives in Texas that feels the same way. And I'm like, bro, you've not been to New York then. I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I think cousin <laughs> who t- he had the best New York story. He, okay. he, he went there on a bus, uh-huh. got off the bus, was looking for directions, like went, mm-hmm. uh, went to up to like the, the whatever person had mm-hmm. set down his bag to like pull out his wallet. His wallet was already missing. Oh shit. Then his bag was immediately stolen. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you just turned the fuck around, man. Yeah, he had no idea. Yeah, he's like, I had like 30 oh. bucks in my pocket. And he was just like, it was the worst experience of my life. And I'm like, that sounds like a New York experience, though. Like, yep. and that—that's the—that's the. It can be great. It can be awful. It can be. I know that's any place, but like, you know, you, it's it's that just that kind of city. And I do think Seinfeld does like a service 
to that kind of New York. Like it doesn't yes. over like uh, watching Spin City. Like it's set in New York, and like it's mostly just set in the one building. But like so, it's kind of easy to forget. But like it doesn't like really mythologize New York. Like Seinfeld is just like oh yeah, sometimes it's garbage, like literal mm-hmm. like garbage. People fighting each other on the street for a parking space, uh, or you know getting. But the the time they're going to the party and George and Kramer get blocked in, like by the dude who double parked, <laughs> yes. and it, they think it's Saddam Hussein. Like, <laughs> yes, it, it's it's jumping another episode that doesn't air. It's jumping. It's like taking the chance and jumping in a limo because you're just like, we just got off the airplane. Like, n- n- these people aren't coming. This lim- limo guy's been waiting. They're clearly not here. Let's just tell them we're that guy. And it turns out that the people you're pretending to be are fucking white supremacists going to a rally. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that episode's oh, got man. Peter Krause in it, man. Um, yes, it does. That's uh, right. And, and, like, oh. and like, those are the, that and the Puerto Rican Day Parade are the two episodes that do not get aired. In any kind of syndication And mm-hmm. it's just like But I mean It's kind of funny right Like if somebody yeah. was telling you that story You would not be sitting there going like I can't believe you went along Pretending to be a white supremacist And just didn't stand your ground And tell it's just like If some real person is telling you that story You're so just like yeah, man, they fucking they had guns. What the fuck do you do? Like you just gotta yeah. keep pretending, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it's it's weird how, like, like I I don't know, man. Like, uh, it, it it's just it's it's funny how, like, it, it's like it's it's like what something like my, uh, it's something that my dad said once. He's like, you know, everybody, ever uh, everybody is Liam Neeson online. But like, you know, is like, like, you know, everybody is a tough guy. Everybody has a certain set of skills online. But then as soon as like the reality of the situation comes in, you know, you become Woody Allen. Yeah. Uh, You know, and it's like, it's the truth. It's the truth. It's like, I never try to like, like, I always find it funny when people do those boastful kinds of posts, right? Like, I mean, we all know who they are. um, And we know that that's not going to happen. Because the reality of the situation is more complicated. And I love, and that's what I love about Seinfeld. Like, like the biggest thing that I've come to love more and more as I've gotten older is that, like it or not, it, it zeroes in on the truth. Not accuracy, but the truth of situations, right? Like, always, there's always something in a one episode that will be so micro-hyper-focused that I feel like they they pulled something out of my life. Um like the 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 episode, I can't remember which episode it is, but it's the one where Jerry keeps on going to the movie and he can't cry. Mm-hmm. I've done yeah. that multiple times. I've done that multiple times because everybody tells me it's a tearjerker, and I'm like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> Elaine and fucking. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. It's Elaine. That's right. And um, not funny, uh, but um, what what oh, is God. the. It's that it was that long as that Oscar winning movie that yes. everybody talked about. It had uh, Ray Fines in it. Um, the English Patient. Yeah, English the patient. English Patient. Yes. 
everybody can. And she was just like, oh my God. It's like, it's all, it's, it's awful. It's so long. Yeah. It's so, and everybody's just like, it's the greatest movie ever. It's just like, it's horrible. <laughs> I, I, like, I relate to that more than anything else. Like, because it's like, there have been movies. Like, I mean, like anything that they do with a movie, hell, even the, isn't the Puerto Rican Day Parade have that thing where it's like a disaster movie or something? It's like Blimp or something, um, where George actually, because of the traffic jam, George. Did, yeah, it's on the Puerto Rican Day Parade. He had, yeah. uh, he had made, he had gone to the movie and made a joke. It's a, the Hindenburg. That's right. Made the joke after it exploded. He says, that's gotta hurt. And then like, he got, he was so like, Jazzed off of like the reaction. He's like, I'm gonna go see it again and do that again. But then there's a guy in the theater with the laser pointer. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he still the thunder. Oh my god, man. I'm telling that episode is so fucking good. And it just gets boiled down to well, it's offensive because Kramer sets a flag on fire and then stomps it out. I'm like, yeah, because he's a fucking idiot. That's the yeah. point. <laughs> oh man, Seinfeld. Just just too good. Just too good for us. You know, uh, especially with all these people just kind of making like just I don't get it. It's a joke. Sometimes a joke is a joke, right? Like, I mean, but again, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe I'm in maybe we're both wrong. And like this isn't this isn't the right thing, right? Like like at all. Like we should be we should be condemning that episode. But like in context, it's really not. It's funny. It's pretty funny. I don't know. It, like I don't understand sometimes the the moral outrage on certain things. Other things I completely understand. Um, but like you know, I guess I mean you know uh, we live in a really weird, strange time, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I know that that was like a weird tangent. It it really makes me think. So I've gotten in the last like six, eight months, mm -hmm. gotten into watching clips. I've seen a few of his specials, but watching clips of Bill Burr and like he says a lot of the things that I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of offensive, but you you have a point. Like, you know, he's, mm -hmm. he's a dick and he's openly admits he's a dick. Like, have you ever watched any of his comedy specials? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, he definitely, like, he toes the line wonderfully, more so than I feel like any other comic does. Um, I did watch his, uh, like, and, and to like, to a greater point, like, have you seen Bad Dads yet? No, I, I want to watch it. I know it got like, trash like critic wise but i'm like i mean you know it's kind of just the point i tried to watch his animated show and i just couldn't get into it yeah that was bad this is much better like bad dads is not great but you can feel this guy is like like the thing that i love about bill burr is that he's always kind of pushing himself even though he, like especially with like the non-comedic stand-up stuff i feel like stand-up like stand up like subsidizes him right and then he's able to do like these these interesting little bits like doing a star wars tv series or doing 
doing a, a comedy movie where he gets to direct, write, and produce it, right? It's not great, but you can tell the origins, right? It's kind of sitcom-y, but is that a bad thing sometimes? You know, especially with, like, a comedy about three fucking dads. I'm not expecting it to be, like, the creator and be visually astute and, like, yeah, like Kubrickian in its This course. idea that everything needs comedy. to be, like, elevated... Uh, it's funny yeah. because Brett Goldstein brings it up on his podcast a lot when yes. we talk about comedies. Like this yeah. idea that we need this elevated level of comedy and that we don't do broad, like character, stupid driven stuff that like littered the 80s landscape. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, most of those movies have a lot of fucking problems like in in the world of like uh, actual like a recognizing like uh you know me too and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of issues there but like there's some, there's really something to be said for those broad type characters who could be you could point to and say well that's kind of stereotypical like you know uh in in any situation even if you're a straight white dude you just like well not we're not all like that Um, but it's like, but that's not the point, man. The point is, it's like, it's broad so that it, it can be relatable to a lot of different people, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Be be honest. Have you ever truly related to a, um, more than one specific character in a Wes Anderson movie? I feel like there's probably one character in a Wes Anderson movie. Most fans could go like, I really relate to that character. But, like, every Wes Anderson movie does not have characters that I fucking relate to. I enjoy them, but at no point am I like, I really get what that guy's going through. Most of the time, I'm just like, huh, yeah. (laughs) No, 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 you're you're 100% right. Like, anything in a Wes Anderson movie, like, I'm like, uh, you know, I would like to live in in this world where nothing bad happens. Except yeah, nothing true. Yeah, it's truly death bad, and that's it. <laughs> it. But you know, I don't make I don't make nine figures, you right. know, or I don't make I don't even make seven figures. I mean, you know, um, so like that in and of itself is like this weird thing where it's like I don't relate to anybody. Like, well, like or or, or okay, so like or even like. <laughs> It's weird, I know, but go with me on this. But, like, modern romantic comedies, right? Like, everybody lives a, like, the fucking Nancy Myers of it all, right? They all live these perfect catalog lives that I cannot relate to. Like, and, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. That, that, actually, yeah. that's one of my biggest issues with Friends, is I watch it and I'm just like, I don't relate to any of this, man. And yeah. not that I, I, I relate to much of Seinfeld, but, like, again, I look at George Costanza and I'm just like... I understand this guy. Like mm-hmm. he fell ass backwards into multiple careers, trips himself up constantly, both in his his career, his relationship, his friendships, like is just kind of a putz. Like I relate to that. <laughs> like I don't fucking relate to it. Other than like, oh, I was in love with somebody who, you know, like, didn't really know or love me back and it's like well that's like okay welcome to fucking earth like <laughs> yeah. fuck has never felt that 
<laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's like, like, how can I relate to every single one of these like people and friends when, like, I know for a fact, even at eighteen when I when the show came on, I looked at it and like, there's no way that these people that are about five to seven years older than me can afford these apartments. These apartments are literally at the time probably three to four thousand dollar apartments now probably ten to fifteen thousand dollars and they do address that in the series they do but not her dead grandmothers or something like that yeah yeah it was that rent control shit yeah (laughs) yeah sure whatever like how did joey like it's just like it's all yeah yeah yeah. that um you know but it's like like it's funny because it's like they're there's no sense of like, like I said, like, I don't need to, I don't need to understand their lives, but I need to relate to something. Right. And like, it, it, it comes to the point where it's like, like most, like a lot of movies nowadays. And this is the thing that I feel like it's weird. Cause like, we'll, we'll shift over to something that I've been thinking about as well is, is that like, we're, I feel it in the air and I don't know if you do, but I feel like we're shifting back to indie human stories in a way like slowly but surely because of the fact that, you know, if you want to contend with a blockbuster, you have to you have to make a movie for a half a billion dollars. Who the fuck has that kind of money? Who has that kind of money to make multiple movies uh, over the course of five years? Like that, that that's a once in a while thing. Like, Studio uh, Disney aside, I don't think yeah. any other studio can make that level of movie consistently and have it make money or have mm-hmm. it not make money and be like, eh, yeah, that sucked, but we'll be okay. Like, if Warner Brothers have produced the Marvel content at the 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 expense that Disney has over the last, let's just say three years with only a handful of those things being of great quality and seeing a financial, like big financial return. Zaslav would have fucking sold the studio 90 days after he took control of it. He would have fucking pieced it out for parts. <laughs> like, Yep. Absolutely. A hundred percent because it's just not possible anymore. Like this is not sustainable. And I feel like that's what we're finally figuring out that when like all it takes are two or three. Like that's all it does. All it takes I mean, are two or three. That's what it took for westerns, you yep. know. I mean, you know, and I love the superhero shit. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm happy too. we get it. But it's like even the bad stuff, like I'm there for it. Uh I'm I'm going to fucking see Aquaman this Sunday. Yes. <laughs> yep, me too. Like we're trying uh, to figure Well, and this is okay, so this is what prompted it was my wife and I because she's been sick and now she's finally out, out of the woods um with the sickness. We're we're, we're talking about like what do we want to see in theaters on Saturday? Like the, we're going to go see something. And it started with Aquaman and then I was like, "You know what? No, I can go see it next week." Like during the week cuz she doesn't want to see it. But then it became this whole thing of a back and forth about what we really want to see. And it was interesting that most of the stuff that we want to see are the human-based stuff, right? Like the stuff, the the humane stuff. Like there's big budget stuff out there right now, and I don't want to see Wonka. I I really, I mean, I'll hey, go despite see no. all the positive uh, positive shit I'm hearing. I'm just yeah. like, I have no fucking interest in it. None. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see it like 
like the things that are interesting me are the stuff that are like like if i had if i had the ability to see maestro in in the theaters i would i mean like you know it did a one week run it's done um whatever you know fuck you netflix but it's like that um the glenn powell rom-com movie like we're talking about that we're talking about everything but the big budget movies iron claw um we're gonna watch the holdovers because i got a review copy of it um like because the blu-ray is coming out so i'm looking forward to that that's more of a smaller paced thing i don't know whether it's just because it's the era or because like we genuinely like there's genuinely not space for it and i mean look at look at the coming years we're taking a break literally from comic book movies or from not, not even it's not i wouldn't call it I would call it comic book movies. I wouldn't call it superhero movies because superheroes defines as a certain thing. But like comic book movies are things like like Transformers could be considered a quote unquote comic book movie because it has a certain style and it's dealing with stuff. And I'm not saying that that's a bad uh, that's a good thing or a bad thing. What I'm seeing is I'm starting to see there's always going to be space for everything, right? But you know, if you look at the '90s. Like, if we look at the 90s, and this is always a 30-year cycle, right? In the 90s, we went really hard on, like, in cinema, we went really hard on the indie indie scene, right? I mean, I can feel it. Like, it feels like it in the air with, like, even, like, the lower-budget action movies, there's a, like, return to, let's not make spectacle, let's make, like, not human stories, but like human stories in the way that Die Hard is a human story, right? Like I feel like if you're talking about the apex of like action filmmaking from a certain era, like that would almost seem quaint now, Die Hard is it, right? Like we're talking about Chris or we're during Christmas time. Um, that is like the apex of it, right? Like that's kind of like apex of like what you can do with a grounded hero but putting them into a, a larger canvas. And it just feels like the movies that I'm seeing are going to, like the things that I'm seeing coming up have had that shift, right? I know that we're still going to have sequels, but I mean, look, Gladiator 2, Fall Guy, uh, Furiosa, like even that stupid Statham movie that's coming out, The Beekeeper, it's all about like people, one dude facing things. And it's like, it's not, it's no longer, you need to save the world from the MacGuffin, but you also need the other MacGuffin to get it so that it connects together and it blows it up and you have the fight at the end between the two CGI blah, blah, blahs. And I'm not, and again, I love this stuff. You know that I love this stuff. We've talked about it, but it's weird because it just feels like something is in the air. Like, I feel like it. I feel like there's like, something's happening. Like we're seeing like small rejections of this of of certain content from audiences, right? Like audiences are just like, no, I'm good. I could do without that. Yeah. And it could it, be oh go ahead. I, I was gonna say what's uh what's weird to me is that like it's taken us long longer and I guess maybe we could blame YouTube. Mm-hmm. But like the shit that they needed up I'll put it to you like if Tarantino, the Tarantinos, Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, et cetera, had had the te- the tools that we literally have at our disposal at almost any point in the fucking day, like 
in the 90s when they were getting started. Yeah. There would be so I wish there's a lot of Kevin Smith content anyway, but yeah. Kevin Smith <laughs> would would not have been making movies. He would have been making, you know, l- like long form shit with his friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it's almost like the democratization of that technology didn't lead to, oh, there's going to be a lot of Tarantinos and Rodriguez's now. It, it it almost was like there's too much, so we just reject all of that now. Yes. No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. Like, which is fascinating, right? Like, how we think one... Okay, so, like, that also brings up the weirdness of AI, right? Because... Now we have this other I we have this other thing that I feel like people are saying this is what's going to happen and I'm like nah bro I don't think it's going to happen like that because whenever we've thought that a tech is going to do something it always goes sideways on us like artists don't use it in the manner in which you think that they're going to use it right or it's not being used in the manner in which everybody thought it was right like yeah. we all like like you said like digital digital filmmaking pocket like like there are still people that are are saying it like you know but nobody listens to them nobody listens to Francis Ford Coppola when he says you can make a movie with your iPhone because it has a it has a 4K camera better than better than most of um, what the, the fuck recording. I used to shoot the Godfather on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And he's like, it, all it means is it's just, it's not the tool, it's the artist, but you have right. a leg up on me. Or it's like, um, fucking, okay, so like, I just watched The Creator, right? The uh, Gareth Edwards uh, movie yeah. uh, with John David Washington, right? In the, And he's filmed that on a consumer-grade Sony 4K camera. How do I know that? Because he talked about it, but then also the, there's an hour long making of that's brilliant. Like it's better than the movie. Like the movie's good. Um, I'm still wrestling with my thoughts on it, but it's one of those movies that you watch and you're more interested in how you how they made it than than the actual product itself. And the thing is, is that he it's a four thousand dollar camera, and I can tell you that fucking movie looks better than 99% of the things that I've seen this year. Um, yeah, because I've only seen, I've, I've seen about 700 films. So 1% is seven. So yeah, like probably seven movies look better than that movie, but it's not the tool. It's the filmmaker, right? Like the filmmaker looks at it and figures out how to use it properly. And like that movie went from like he he even says I think he said like initially we thought it was going to be like a two hundred million dollar movie and just by using this particular camera and doing certain specific things that cut costs I got it down to half that that cost and it cost it cost us eight, uh, like it's now an eighty million dollar film where I have much more control over it and I will tell you Logan when you see this movie you will be visually in, like you will be impressed by the visuals it's action it has action it's meditative he made the movie he wanted to make like you can tell like there's a lot about that movie that i really respect i don't know if it lands everything but it's fascinating that like we think that that's what's going to happen right like you know consumer grade 4k camera so why aren't there like 50 filmmakers out there right now with those things making moves and making movies yeah, uh, yeah we, don't, we don't know. Yeah, uh, 
you know, other than you know, other than the adult industry, like 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 the. Adult I, I was about to say actually <laughs> the the one telltale sign, and, and like nobody wants to talk about it, but it is definitely something that 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 I know you've heard discussed. I've heard discussed the one new technology, mm-hmm. the first sign of like, oh yeah, this is something that will stand the test of time is when the adult film porn industry, whatever you want to call it, latches on or or, or is adoptive of it, then it's just like, oh, yeah, like, okay, like, then, then we're good. Like, you know, oh, red cameras. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll shoot movies with those. They've been making porn with that for, for like three years. We can shoot a movie with that. (laughs) <laughs> exactly no and you're right 100 percent. like like that's like so how is porn going to use ai like that's the real question and then if they're going to use ai because like that, that's like or the adult industry i'm sorry porn, calling it porn is kind of crap yeah, yeah. um <laughs> um but it, it, it's always but, funny because well, you like, haven't really seen it right no of course not I don't know anything. Uh, what are you talking about? What, what 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 do you what do you mean? Where do you find that stuff, dude? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean you haven't seen like AI built into any adult films. Like you haven't seen them <laughs> utilize that technology. No, but okay. So like this brings up a, a very interesting point, and in, in not about pornography uh, or adult uh, adult films. Um, so uh, a big dirty little secret came out. Um, a couple weeks ago when um, the abyss true lies and aliens got their 4k release on digital um, people lost their shit because these three are representative of um, they did AI restoration and from the images that I'm seeing and this, thank God, I didn't buy the streaming versions of these. I'm gonna wait for the 4Ks to see what it looks like. Logan, this shit looks like that. You know those filters that people put on things that smooth out yeah. their, their wrinkles and shit. That's what these fucking movies look like now. Yeah, that's disappointing. If I was, if I was fucking James Cameron, I would be embarrassed to show these things. Which is weird because Aliens in the th- like the Abyss in the theaters. Like I told you, I went to go see it and stuff. Yeah. The special edition looks beautiful like it doesn't look like any ai but everybody has said on the small screen and shown screen screen caps this ai stuff that they did to smooth over everything to get rid of all of the film grain literally destroyed these three films like literally people are like okay well i guess we're gonna have to wait for the 4k but this is very disappointing and they made sure that they copied james cameron uh, which is nice because I know that Cameron listens. I know that he gets annoyed when he hears that something happens with his films that people don't like. He's not like he's not like Lucas where he, where Lucas is just like yeah deal deal with it bitches. I'm making the money. I'm the captain. Fuck you. Like he's not like that. He's very much so. Oh okay, but that's what they're using AI for. Like multiple films this year, the things that I've not talked about that I've seen on 4K look fucking trash why because they used ai to restore them why and this is the kind of thing that we're getting into now this is the kind of tech that they're doing because you know you could put a filter in and say filter this and then ai will take the thing and do it in it it, like embed itself into the image and do and do this stuff and just erase wrinkles 
Like literally Tom, uh, like it looks like, like um, they used the example of the, the, the yelling argument between Harry and uh, Tom Arnold's character, like Arnold and Tom character, uh, uh, Tom Arnold's character in, um, in true lies where he's all, give me the goddamn yeah. transcript, bro. These two men do not look like, do not look like 40 mid uh, guys in their mid forties. They look like influencers that are about to show you a fucking product. That's what they look like. That's how utterly disappointing it is. And like, that goes to show like, this is what they're using the technology for. Um, something that we don't really expect. I mean, we, we expected them to do screenplays so they couldn't do screenplays. So they did something else. Like, it's weird, right? Like, it's weird how those things kind of evolve and change. And um, yeah, not for any good. But I mean, I don't think AI is good for anything other than nothing, basically. Like, I don't need it in my life. I, I've become a Luddite, right? Like, yeah. I've started to become the, the, the guy that's like, I don't need that. Nobody needs that. Why do we need that? What What's the purpose? You know? Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, it, it's. I get. I get frustrated with the the AI talk um, from people who don't really understand. Like, it, it's. It, I and again, we're talking about things that when we were younger, we were kind of told like, "Oh yeah, uh, robots are going to take your jobs." No, mm-hmm. actually, what it turns out is it's like they're designing robots to fucking make the quote art so that we can continue to do the fucking jobs. And it's just like, no, <laughs> this is like, it's, uh, none of this was the fucking future that any of those people thought like, Oh, robots will, they'll, they'll be the productive ones. We'll become lazy. And uh, like, therefore that when the robots do gain co- consciousness, like they will have been productive and be like humans are garbage, which we are, but they're worthless because yeah. they don't do anything and they'll just eliminate us. But it, <laughs> it's, I mean, the matrix was the thing that got it fucking right. <laughs> like, well, it, uh, well, also, okay. So like not only the matrix, but Wally, like think about Wally. Like yeah. how, how crazy is it that Wally has become a, become a, like a, a thing of the future that we're just going to be a bunch of lazy, sloppy fuckers. fuckers. I mean, like, honestly, like when I, I remember going to see Wally and being like, if that's the future, like I, I'm okay with that. I get to ride around <laughs> on my hover scooter and watch TV all day. <laughs> okay. Drink, big, <laughs> drink, uh, drink big gulps or not even. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I was just like, Oh man. Oh man, what the hell? Um, why don't we talk about something that's a little bit more positive? Let's talk about fucking Zaz's next move. <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. It can't be fucking worse. <laughs> I mean, like, I like, like, I don't understand. Like, I just don't understand why we're letting this guy buy Adam. another. It hasn't like, been 18 months. I know. It I hasn't don't. been fucking two years. Like, and this guy's going to acquire another massive company. Like, and, and run it to the ground. And this would be more of a merger, right? Less of an acquirement? Yes. Yeah, a merger. 
which to which I'm like, uh, what? Like, is there any chance that he gets like not run out, but maybe like pushed to the side in a merger like this? No, unfortunately not. Yeah. Like that's that's the thing that they were talking about. That's what I was reading is is that there's this strong thing where there's a strong contingent of people, especially artists within these both these companies that are like, um, yeah, no, like he is the worst. We hate working with him. Like there, of course, it's all anonymity because you don't want to rat on your boss and tell until you tell your boss to the to their face that they're they're a disgusting human being. Um. But that's basically what it's saying. It's like, like there's already the the talk around, like all of the creatives are like, well, you know what? There that goes. I'm gonna have to start packing up and find my other, uh, find my way. Um, I mean, I know that Taylor Sheridan, who's their golden goose, probably is not happy about that. Um, I know that he didn't have a good experience with Warner Brothers when he made his Angelina Jolie movie, um, yeah. and. He is like, I mean, like, guys, if you don't know who Terrell Sheridan is, he's he is Yellowstone and yeah. Yellowstone is him. Like any TV show that is set beyond 20, uh, beyond the year 2000 is probably Terrell Sheridan. If you're watching it on CBS um, or the Paramount Network or Paramount streaming, it's him. Yeah. It's just him. It's always him. Like, I mean, he's making this um, he's making a he has that uh, sheriff show that's uh what's his name david oelio is co-producing with him and i was like of course it's taylor sheridan because fucking why not because it's a fucking western he's single-handedly you know we talk about how like the western is dead but he's single-handedly bringing back the modern yeah, western I, mean, just, I don't i don't really care for his his version of it um it's just not my thing um but that doesn't mean that it's not every dad's like fucking like bee's knees like i need to see this all the time I mean, my dad, my dad always, my dad, like the the two things he asks me always, have you watched Yellowstone yet? No, I haven't. I'm sorry. But it, but, but it has Kevin Costner. Yeah, I know. And I love the cause. Just not my thing. The second thing he's asked, have you seen 1922? No. Uh, what is that? That's, it has Harrison Ford in. Oh, it's the other Yellowstone thing, right? No, not interested though. And I know that pisses him off. I mean, he doesn't listen to this. He, I don't even think he knows how like podcasts work. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm fairly certain he thinks it's like radio. And like whenever I'm on, like it, like if he doesn't want, if he doesn't tune in, he doesn't tune in, and he doesn't get to hear me. But why would he want to listen to me talk nonsense about film? Um, <laughs> he he barely listens to anything I have to say, regardless, <laughs> regardless of. I mean, you know, the, the the sun rises and falls with westerns and Yellowstone. So, I mean, of course, like anything I talk about is like you know in one ear out the other. Um, so, but yeah, I do. Like, I, I will say that I do want to see Lawman Bass Reeves. Like, I, I do kind of want to watch that. I mean, David Oelio is fucking. He's great. Like, I fucking love that dude. Like, I like if you tell me like if you Logan Polk comes back in like four weeks and you've watched it all and you're like, you know, it's a pretty badass show. I will watch it. Like that's the only way that I'm gonna that you're gonna get me to see a Taylor Sheridan joint that wasn't something that I've already seen. Just my, you know. my understanding is it's a mini series, so I think ah. it's self-contained. I okay. could be wrong though. Okay, no, 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 no. That's okay. The, like you know, that's actually even better. That'll actually give me more reason to watch it because it'll actually have an end and not just a continuing continuation of whatever. 
you know um i kind of like the fact that i'm getting endings on things like i like i like having like a beginning middle and end to something i am that guy like i i've never like even as a kid like i don't want things to end on cliffhangers and then nothing get resolved but as a kid i love the idea of this has an ending right like like you know i i loved comic like i i loved my certain titles that comic books that were were continuing but like give me a fucking a great mini series and i'm just like yes like they're gonna go somewhere with this like we're gonna we're gonna have a complete story it's not gonna be like oh and then tune in next month for you know something else crazy to happen like mm-hmm. I, I loved that idea so it, like i think that's why most of the new shows that i get into are generally either like related to something i'm already interested in mm-hmm. like it's why i don't really try out new things i'm like well either this will go on forever and i'll lose interest or it'll get canceled and it won't get an ending so yeah. like the idea that something i'm with you like has an end mm-hmm. I, i'm way more apt to check it out absolutely like there's this new have you seen the preview for that new kate winslet series where she becomes a, like she goes from an elected official to a to a yeah. dictator yeah. um fucking shit looks badass dude and it and it's a mini series so i know it has a beginning middle and end and i'm more inclined to watch that than yep. i am the continuing adventures of bullshit, bullshit, and bullshit. Yep. Um, you know, um, you know, it's it's part of it's part of the reason why I love video games because <laughs> I love it when I, I meet new people and we talk about I I all my go to question is what's your your favorite movie, and mm-hmm. I'm always baffled by people who are like oh, I don't know I'd have to think about it and I'm like. Okay, wait. You're just not my people. Like, it's okay if that answer changes, but (laughs) you're just not my people. If you're like, ah, if if somebody says, "What's your favorite movie?" and you don't have not an immediate answer, but you don't have like, uh, probably this. Like, but you know, it might change depending on my mood. Like, even if it's fucking Step Brothers, like at least you have an answer. Like, people are like, uh, I don't know. I just kind of watch whatever. I'm like, then you're not really watching anything. Those exact same fucking people, when you ask them what their favorite TV show is, they say some fucking form of CSI, yeah. uh, Law and Order, um, <laughs> uh, anything like that. And I'm just like, yeah. you are watching the same thing every week yep every single week now i realize that a lot of the stuff i have what i watch and or enjoy are formulaic but i also like especially superhero shows for the most like the old cw Mm -hmm. stuff i knew that they were formulaic and i i was always like calling that out like i hate when you know i'm i'm in it for the mythology like i like that i hated the formulaic bullshit um and but like if your fucking favorite show is law and order i don't know man i don't don't even like i don't don't talk to me i I don't like you don't like anything you like 
the same fucking thing. Yeah. You 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 just want like I I watch formulaic for comfort. When right. I need to put something on in the background and and it 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 it's something that I can go and look at and go, "Oh yeah, I know what's going to happen." And then just continue on. It's nothing that's supposed to grab my attention. But when that's you're usually why saying I that, watch stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. I've seen fucking the, the Office eight hundred times, so it's like, oh, I know it's gonna happen. I can just walk in and out of the scenes, and I'm not really yeah. getting invested, and like that, you know. And it's kind of formulaic, but like it's more formulaic in that I've seen it so much, I know exactly what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm definitely not that person. I want a beginning, middle, and end because it it frustrates me to no end. Um, no pun intended. Uh, no circular motion necessary with the stupid this stuff. Uh, anyways, uh, but it's like it's one of those things where it's like it, it's the thing that I uh, like that I I'm fascinated, but I also kind of hate about TV, which is is that unless it's a miniseries. Or limited series, as they call them now. Um, it's just going to go on forever. And yeah. you know what? Guess what? Even if there is an ending, there's chances that they're going to get a requill in 10 years. Like, that to me is the most frustrating part about it, right? Is that even if there is an ending, it doesn't matter because in 10 years, they're going to just reboot it again. I mean, literally, lucky. so like one of my favorite TV series of all time, X-Files, ended it didn't end the way that I wanted it to, but it ended, right? It had a definitive end. <laughs> and then they brought it back. <laughs> then they brought it back. And that ended. But then he, and, and then that they ended. Now they're bringing it back again. Oh, fucking again. But this time, they're bringing everybody back. They're not just bringing Mulder and Scully back, you know? It's like, what? Like, I, you're, it's what they call the dilution of the brand. And to me, like it's like I'd much rather have Chris Carter come up with something different and give me something, you know, like let's let him cook again, right? Like, like I don't think that Chris Carter has actually created an actual show show since what since the um uh since the conspiracy guys. I can't think of the the show's name. The Lone Gunman. Uh, yeah, the Lone Gunman. But, I mean, his boy, Vince Gillian, who we all loved and adored his episodes of X-Files, and we all knew for the longest time, it was like, you know what, give him a couple, give, like, whenever they figure it out, he's going to make something brilliant. Cut to fucking Walter White and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which is actually a better show than um, Breaking Bad. Don't at me, guys. Um, <laughs> I, but I, mean, Dale, I don't disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think that you and I probably both agree that Bob Odenkirk is kind of like a, a micro genius. Like, yeah. regardless of regardless of like this, like, even if you took this away, he still would have Mr. Show with Dave and Bob. Like, which to me is like, like, you know, everybody that loves the wild ass comedy of like, what is that? What's the guy? Uh, are you sure about that? Um, um, I can't think. Tim. I can't think of his name, but anybody who loves that show owes a dead owes a debt to Bob Odenkirk and uh, Dave. Um, Jesus Christ, what's his name? An Al Ruppist uh, uh, from Arrested Development. Yeah, Tobias Funke. Um, yes. <laughs> Why do we know all of his names and his yeah. shit other than his real name? Um, 
Jesus. But anywho, they owe it. He they they owe a supreme debt of gratitude to them because that show is literally modern is like modern comedy twenty years too early. Um, it's because it only had to, in why yeah. everybody wonders why it had two two seasons. Um, though the movie is brilliant. Have you seen Run, Run Ronnie Run? Uh, a long time ago. Dude, you need to revisit it. I revisited it about five years or no, two years ago or three years ago. I was in hysterics because it's so funny. But you have to watch the you have to watch Mr. Show first, right? Like you have to watch it all leading up to and then watch Run Ronnie or Run, yeah. Run Ronnie Run. And it becomes like this brilliant kind of holy shit, this is really ahead of its time. Um but anyway, um Well yeah. uh, your original point was Zaslav is possibly annexing mm-hmm. fucking Paramount Studios. Uh I mean I don't know. Uh, it's it's sad. Yeah. I, I just I don't I don't know. It, it, Why? Like, here's the thing: if Paramount is so fucking is so fucking desperate, right? Why aren't they just finding a billionaire to sell to? Why do we have to go with Zaz? Yeah, that that's what that's what frustrates me. Like. I, you mean to tell me that there's not another guy out there who's like, yeah, I, I you know, I want to get in, in that business, you know, mm-hmm. and just buy the studio. Like, I don't know. It, it yeah, it makes me this really, is, really like, sad. Just yeah. really fucking sad because, like, we've in our lifetime we've seen a lot of like quote big studios kind of just come and go, but like. We're now at the point where, like, okay, 20th Century Fox, which has existed for pretty much our whole life, is now a sub-company for Disney. Um, Warner Brothers is still Warner Brothers, but it's also all these other things. MGM has now been annexed by... Amazon, so it's not really even MGM anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just Amazon Studios, basically. Yep. Uh, and Paramount will now be also part of Warner Brothers. And it's just like, I want these things to stay alive because just of the history of it all. But also, I, I'm kind of at the point where it's like, and I would, I would kind of rather see it just fucking die, than yeah. become this subset of something else. You know, like RKO back in the day. Like yeah. RKO just went away. Um, United Artists, you know? uh, Orion yeah. Pictures. Um, Orion's back. Like, unfortunately, MGM, Amazon has resurrected Orion from the grave. It's uh, so weird to me. Yeah, though, I will say this much. You know who's supposedly kind of like creative director, which is always nice, um, is like I know that they consult with um, Senior Ryan Johnson about it a lot. Like okay. he's like one of their tastemakers, which is nice. Like I like to see that. Um, his his newest movie that he produced, uh, a movie that I really really liked, um, American Fiction, is brought through and uh, was bought through Orion. Um, so like his. Pro- his producing stuff is through Orion. I know that his directing stuff 
has literally been like, well, at least the next two movies are tied up with Netflix. And then he still owes Kathy Kennedy and, and Dave Filoni, the, the star Wars trilogy that he's, he's been writing for like close to four or five years now, which he's still working on, which, you know, to which I'm kind of excited about, like, especially because Filoni has taken over creative director of, of Lucasfilm, which we didn't really talk about that. Did we? Oh, uh, well, we might have mentioned it. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm happy for him, but also, like, I, Disney seems to be in such an upheaval right now. I, I, also, true. I forgot Universal, which was annexed by NBC. So it's just NBC Universal. Universal's not really... I mean, it's still there, but... Uh, going back, to, the whole fucking thing just... It, it makes me so... Just fucking sad that that we're not going to to have these like historic studios anymore. Yeah. And it's all but you know what to your point from not the jump but that leaves us with like these I guess mini major studios. You yeah. know, A24 um who else is is uh I mean, out there like, doing stuff. Uh, I mean, I Studio I Canal, Studio Canal, um, E One, um, uh, Wellgo, um, but they they they've slowly started to dip. There, but they're they're they started off as like a um, um, as a company that acquired Asian uh, genre cinema, but they've yeah. started to slowly get into the game. Lionsgate, I mean, because Lionsgate is not a major producer, they're still like a, a mini major they're on the top end of it yeah. um, i mean they're still they acquire but, stuff right they don't really produce yeah. it well they do they do some things like okay so like the john wick is become the john wick movies have become definitely their like they've taken over the productions because of the the amounts and the, uh, the size of the productions and then the uh hunger games stuff um because there's more hunger games stuff coming um yes. to which I mean, I know that people say like, oh, well, you know, da, 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 we don't like like, you know, it, it made money. It was not a bad thing. And like, you know, you can say what you want, but Lion Gates is making smart decisions with the way that they're making. They, they make movies. They make movies for not a budget budget, but they they're very conscious and cognizant of movies like I know for I know for a fact. I know somebody who worked on the last John Wick movie and people would claim that it cost like 150 to 200 million dollars. It's not the case. That movie cost half that. I'm I I know because a friend of mine worked on on it and he like he said it was like maybe 90 million tops because everything like because it was a smaller production. They took a long time to shoot, but they know what they're doing and you would be surprised at how much VFX work in like computer, computer, anything having to deal with visual effects and computers raises the, the budget to astronomical fees. And that's another thing that's going down the pipeline, which is the unionization of, of VFX workers to get real pay is going to change the way that film is made. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat, because if you think that, $300 million to make Secret Wars is going to happen. After the unionization, that is out the door because those the, those costs are going to skyrocket. So there's only going to be a few people that can actually do this because 
the money that they should be paid, they're not being paid. And we're going to have all this stuff where it's going to cost too much money to use computer effects. So what can you do that doesn't require computer effects? It's going to be human stories, right? Like, or you're going to see a revert back to model making. But even then, they're unionized too. So like Hollywood, Hollywood cheapskating out people of their money is quickly coming to an end. Yeah. And that creates a vacuum for change um because how are these these people going to do that when all of their things was fleecing and conning people out of services and not paying them it, i and i guess to like uh, the point that i was kind of and maybe mm-hmm. what I, I didn't really get to earlier talking about the mm-hmm. democratization of the the technology yes. to make the movies is like it took us so long to get to a point where like an A24 rises up and is doing interesting things with mm-hmm. interesting people and it, you know and, and so like the not real death of these gigantic businesses that are the movie studios the major movie studios like seeing them have to like conglomerate and uh, like form this you know a voltron level fucking thing like that's great but now that's just that big behemoth that isn't the cool thing that it used to be because it, it no longer really has that history i mean the history is there but it's not not really it, it's the history it's yeah. not what it currently is um you know now that does leave a place for these little bitty studios that are like oh yeah yeah we can do this like we found this financing we you know have yeah like yeah yeah we understand you're not going to get it shot in seven weeks it's probably going to take three months you know and, Mm -hmm. and you know you get something like everything everywhere all at once, you know, where it's the, it's people wanting to do it and not studio heads going like, sure, sure. I like the pitch, but also add all of these things, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's really, really interesting. Part of me really hates it. Um, but part of me is also, kind of like not excited but i do like the idea of like you know if it's like one big thing you can avoid Mm -hmm. as opposed to all it's just like okay well i don't want to contribute to all of these other these major studios like i fuck all of them i don't want to give them my money it's just like yeah but how do you not do that because they're all involved when there was eight of them one of them was always involved in something you wanted to see and now it's just like oh well and now there's like four like you know and does sony even count <laughs> so yeah no no you're absolutely right you are a hundred percent right like um and like so like here's the thing like i'm gonna propose something that um how can I put this? I'm going to put, I'm going to propose something that is not necessarily the most 
popular opinion between people that are cinemies who supposedly are cinemies, but all they really do is just consume pop culture. Um, and, and like the tide, like like they 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 carry the tide, right? They go wherever the tide goes. Um, and also with True Blue Cinema uh, Cineus, I'm gonna say this. I feel like the big budget movie is no longer where the most creative storytelling within big budget like storytelling is. It's in video games. Just hard, hard stomp on the floor. You guys aren't doing it right. Video games are doing it right. And the reason why they're doing it right is because they can do something that you can never do, no matter how many 4DX spray water on me, shove a spring up my butt uh, to make me feel something. It's the it's the fact that I'm the character. And I'm in these situations that are larger than life, that are bigger than life, that like all of the big the big the big time storytelling stuff that I that I that I interacted with this year that it like that would be even considered close to like top 10 like experiences have all been video games. They've all been video games, which is wild to say, right? Because I'm the dude who loves movies. Like I love movies on big canvases, right? Like one of my favorite like you ask what what are like, you know, what are like what's what's your favorite movie of all time? Like Mine is a steady three rotation. It's The Seven Samurai, um, it's Lawrence of Arabia, or Star Wars. Star Wars, mind you guys, not Star Wars Episode uh, Episode Five, A New Hope, Star or Episode Wars. Four, A New Hope. Star Wars, 1977 Star Wars, which I do have a copy of, a very nice, pristine copy of, that is HD quality. And it's the thing that I will constantly watch because it is the move. Like, I don't care about the other ones, right? Because they didn't really fuck with the other ones, but they really fucked with Star Wars. Like, if you see, like, if you ever get a chance to see Star Wars in its unaltered form, it is a very different movie. It's edited differently. Like, Lucas has been fucking with this movie since 1978. Like, literally a year later, he was already tinkering with it. And the movie that was released in 77 which i'd never seen until maybe about five years or four years ago it's a vastly different film it's a bunch of little cuts that equal into a giant thing but so that you guys know i'm a person like if you look at those three movies those three movies are designed to be seen on the big screen and experienced in a big cinematic manner but i can tell you nothing compared this year to like spider-man 2 um god of war um dead space the re remastered version of dead space which is literally like like event horizon on steroids or the best alien movie that you never got to see um like all of these big things and they're all being done by game studios and yeah. it's really wild to me that i've kind of gone to this shift where yeah you know the big budget stuff is great it is i love it but, like, if you can't do it as well as a video game can, I don't know. Like, you know, it's going to cost me. To, like, here's the weird part. Economics are this. That a video game. I just got a video. Uh, I just got a Game of War Ragnarok, right? It cost me $40. <laughs> do you know the optics on, like, a Saturday, like, this Saturday night when I go see a movie with my wife? 
It's a hundred dollar proposition. Two tickets, movie, drinks, dinner, at least a hundred dollars for what? I, Five I, hours. I spent. Oh no! See, here we go. Uh, see the the last movie. I'm trying to think of the last movie I went to that wasn't just me going to see a movie. I went with my friend Courtney. I wanted to go see something. I don't remember what it was. And I texted her. I was like, hey, uh, do you want to go see this movie? And she was like, ah, because she has two kids. I'm like, do y'all want to mm-hmm. go see this? And she was like, oh, I don't really have the money to take kids to the movie. So I was like, I'll pay. Like, it, you know, it's just more fun to, to go and not be by yourself. Um, so we went to go see a movie. So it was me, her, her two kids, popcorn, drinks. Uh, which they did buy their own popcorn and drinks, but just say it had been quote a date. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's over a hundred dollars. I mean, you know, and the last game, well, not the last game I bought, but the game I've been playing and I've been playing it for a while. Keeping in mind, I only play for about 45 minutes to an hour a day. Yeah. Um, I months ago, months ago i spent uh spent the money on because ezra loved new super mario u it, it was the port to the switch of the super mario u game oh yeah 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 uh ezra it, it's one of his favorite games and he was telling me about it because i i had put him on the sparks of hope and uh just those two games and mm-hmm. uh which he still has my copy i need to get it back um <laughs> uh I had put him on to those and uh he he he's like you got to play this it's so fun and uh Spencer was like yeah it's it's Ezra's favorite game he plays it all the time so I was like yeah next time I buy a game I'm going to buy it cuz I'm I'm always I'm a sucker for a good platformer Mario yeah. games are usually really good platformers and I've been playing this game for months and at any point, was it like it's not gotten boring? It's not gotten repetitive. I, like I mean, it's gotten on. frustrating sometimes. Cause yes. Some of the levels, like to go back and get all the, because I try to be, uh, I try to only get games like where I know I'm like, oh, okay, well I'm going to complete the whole game and get everything, yes. and, um, and do all the little side quests. And so some of it has gotten frustrating, but mm-hmm. like. Not not in a way of like I I've wasted so much fucking money. You know. <laughs> like I can't no, believe absolutely. I just spent, you know, seventy five dollars to go see a two hour movie, uh eat uh, you know, junk food basically, and just be mm-hmm. like, that was completely unsatisfying. <laughs> I mean, there are games out there right. like that. But like, oh yeah, you don't sure. plop down sixty to eighty dollars for a game that you're not. I mean, unless you're just, you know, some idiot with more money than he has since, that you're not like I'm gonna be invest. Now you do make bad investments, but generally, yes. if you put that money down, you're like, this is something I know I'm going to want to invest the time into, and like. There's a track record here. There's a, 
And for the most part, it's rarely ever a like a letdown on a level of like I put my money into Marvel movies because they have a solid track record. And then you go see uh, fucking Eternals and you're like, what? What is happening? (laughs) (laughs) In the immortal in the immortal words of of most uh, most people at a certain time in the life, the fuck is this? I fucking paid money for this shit. Um, Because it's like, yeah, like it's weird because I don't know, like it's getting to the point to where I feel like, like movies, it's just like, there's, it's problem. It's a problem because most movies, like if you really look at the big budgets, right? The big super budgets, they're made by like literally this, the same 20 people. The same twenty people for the last twenty years have been making, uh, making like making making big budget movies. Now, of course, when one dies or one retires or one gets canceled, another one plops in. Um, but the same twenty to thirty white male people are the people that make movies, and it's the same cycle over and over and over again because the same. 50 screenwriters are there writing stuff because no one wants to leave the golden calf, like, you know, the golden tit of Hollywood because there's a lot of money in there, or at least there's the the promise of a lot of money. You know, David Zasloff and CEOs make sure that that does not, that is not a reality. Um, you know, if you really want, like, I'll tell, I'll tell somebody, I'll tell people the secret. If you want to make money and good money, good money. Become a great editor. Become a an amazing editor. You know why? Because those dudes, I know three editors. And I know that they make, like, the dirty little secret is, is that because they can work on multiple projects over time. Oh, yeah. They, I know one, he's said, he's told me unequivocally, he's like, you know, I make more money than most of the directors I work with. Because they, I, I have spent all their time skill. focused on that one thing, and your as an editor, your skill edit editing has always fascinated me, and it's something I really mm-hmm. wish I had gotten into. Mm-hmm. I, I love the like knowing that you're like you're getting to craft the story. Yep, it's not your story, but you're getting to. Like, I don't know. It's very, very fascinating. And yeah, the idea of like, you can do, it's kind of like, like not writing's not really the the one-to-one, but like you, you can do multiple things. Like you can be working on a superhero movie and a romantic comedy and a, you know, a big budget sci-fi thing and this little bitty indie movie. And like, you can do all of those things and they're probably all pay differently. And, but Mm -hmm. like, you get to be, like this sort of author it's tonal author of it it's like being a comic book writer i guess you're getting to play with all of these toys that like you're you don't have to worry about breaking they're not yours you're Mm -hmm. invested to a degree but not to a point of like you know uh, that that you're so protective of it. it like and and also like once you begin to understand editing, you can see like especially in cinema 
how it shapes things. It's a lot harder in the written word to see how editing shapes yeah. things. But like, I mean, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but you can look at Tarantino's work pre and post Sally uh, Minky. And yep. you can see the difference. Well, oh yeah, because Fred Raskin, the guy who he 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 uses now, like have you noticed like the bigger the biggest thing that I've noticed between um between the time that he lost Sally and the time that he gained Fred was that the the language single takes are no longer there. There's a lot of more traditional cutting, which creates a different milieu than than the Sally than the Sally thing. And it's also yeah. a lot more have you ever noticed that his films have become a lot more masculine since Sally left? Because yeah. she is such a force, right? Like all of his movies, like with the exception of Reservoir Dogs, as soon as he got to Pulp and he went to Jackie and he continued on this path, there's a strong female sense of ownership in the in, in the movies. And then as soon as she passes, it becomes like as soon as um, the hateful eight, like it's hateful eight that where it ends. And then yeah. he picks up like I guess Fred was a brown for that. And it's a weird like if you watch that movie, it's very weird how combative it is towards women, but also how dominant like um, uh, what's her name is. Um, God, I can't even think of her name, and I just saw her in something. I just saw her in Existence. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee is. Uh, like, you see that, and you go, wow, like, that's kind of crazy. Like, how much an editor... Well, and it's also, like, and here's the thing. Like, this is what I love, is Kevin Smith edits his own movies. Yeah. And... He, he's, he, gotten, he gotten, he's gotten to the point where he edits... Basically, while he's filming, like he filmed exactly, and now that he's you're not now that he doesn't have to do it on like you know fucking film, like yeah, film they shoot and then he edits like he in the next day they can Mm -hmm. watch if they have to do a pickup or if they it's like well none of that really worked we can go back and like I mean you can argue whether it's it's good but it, it is what it needs to be for a movie that he's making. And I also, okay, so like, here's the thing is that I feel that he's gotten better since Scott left when Scott decided to become like this, like, and that's another thing, Scott being this editor producer, this motherfucker goes to imagine illumination and becomes a huge director that should tell you something about him. But I also feel that Kevin's movies got sharper in a way that I didn't feel like they weren't as languid anymore. Like yeah. it felt more like it felt more like Kevin when Scott left, when he's not, when Scott didn't do the editing anymore, yeah, you get the, like they didn't it's have more unfiltered. Like it's not somebody going like, well, maybe this is better. It's literally just like him, like dumping something out on the page. Yes. But also there's this, like, it doesn't feel reserved. It doesn't feel like you're holding back on something like like that's the thing that I can respect about his modern era stuff, though. I will hold I will say like I will say this, like I feel like the best thing, like the best edited thing that he ever did was Red State, even though I know that a lot of people hate that movie and a lot of people. Uh, I I think Red I think Red State is a for Kevin Smith. 
and I am a fan, I would say Red State is a masterpiece. Yeah. I don't think it's a masterpiece of a movie. It's not fucking (laughs) Citizen Kane. But for Kevin Smith, like, you, like, and he's talked about, like, where it's, like, show that movie and be like, you made this? Mm -hmm. You can't make shit like this. Yep. So. And, and has, like, I will, okay, so. And have you ever noticed that, like, the thing that I I don't understand, okay, this is the thing that I don't understand at all, is that people give Kevin Smith so much shit, right? But anytime somebody decides to leave the the Red Bank, New Jersey crew, they become a superstar in whatever they're doing. Dave Klein is shooting fucking Star Wars movies. Shooting Star Wars movies. Like, he is one of the guys that they go to. Like, you're talking, like, Greg Frey, who, like, you know... Like who's like he's on the elite field of like Star Wars movies. I feel like are the people that are the elite elite of cinematographers, right? With the exception yeah. of a few, like say somebody like um, like. But I mean, Dave Klein is shooting Star Wars, right? Fucking Scott Mosier leaves Red Bank, the Red Bank crew, and he becomes a becomes an editing consultant for Illumination, and then makes the Grinch, directs the fucking Grinch. Makes more money worldwide than everything that's, <laughs> that Kevin Smith has made in the entirety of his career, which is wild, right? But what I'm saying is, is that it starts with Smith. It always started with Smith. He is the one that took these people along, right? Like Red State is the moment where, where John Goodman comes back to the fold and becomes a super arresting, interesting actor. That's because of Kevin Smith. Like, I don't get why we give so much shit to this man and people, like, criticize him. Oh, he doesn't know how to make movies. He doesn't know how to do that. Um, I don't I mean, think He knows so, how to guys. make a Kevin Smith movie. I mean, yeah. and he'll tell you that. I feel like and nobody make a Kevin Smith movie like Kevin Smith. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but but it's just like, it's just like, like, yeah, editing, like editors, if you want to go in and make money, become an editor. Um, and, and then start looking at the names of editors and you will see that there are certain people that work with everybody with the exception of James Cameron, who James Cameron edits his own movies, though he has a bunch of assistant editors. Again, another dude, Robert Rodriguez. Like there are certain people that will edit, actually edit, edit their movies. There are other people who don't. Um, but it, like, I will tell people, I always tell like anybody who decides to talk to me about things. And it's like, if you want, if you want a creative life. And you you want it in film? Learn Avid, learn uh, learn Final Cut Pro, learn all of the DaVinci Res- uh, Dissolve, learn all of these tools that editors do, and then start editing things. Start taking, start making mash cuts. Like start doing things, like you know, doing funny things, but then start to get serious about it, and then put that shit out there because the thing that that Hollywood is low on. And will pay a premium for our editors, like literally, like editors, like like it's um it's it's amazing. But you know, people just look and think that they want to be a screenwriter, or they want to be they want to be a director or an actor, and it's like, oh, that's not where the money is. Trust me, and that's not where creative where the creativity comes because you know, an editor can come in and and save a movie. A director can't come in and save the movie. I'll be honest with you. Like, has there ever been a a, a director that's come in? And at the last minute started to decide to direct, like, you know, shoot a bunch of stuff for another another director. And it turned out great. The answer is no. But editors have come in and saved movies. I know yep. that for a fact. 
Um, I know a couple of movies that people would be shocked by that had like had editors and I would be speaking out of turn because it was told to me in confidence. But there are a couple of big things like super big movies that would have been disasters if the uh, if the actual editor that came in and fixed it literally fixed it. Um, there's one that I can tell you, um, which is Twister. Twister was a disaster because it's it's a 30 year old movie. Like it was a disaster. I mean, worse than it is at, in its final form. But the but Michael Kahn, Steven Spielberg's editor, came in in the last four weeks of the movie and completely recut it and made it into the movie that it is. So like the original editor, who I don't know who was fired, and Yann DeBont was removed from the movie, um, just made nonsense. Didn't make any sense. And then Michael Kahn had to come in and make it a movie. Um, that just kind of tells you the power of a movie. Like, you know, if you love if you love Twister, it's not because of Jan DeBond. It's not because of Bill Paxton. It's because of Michael Kahn editing the shit out of that movie. Um, yep. And you watch it and it's like it's a very simple movie. And you can tell that if you know that knowledge and you watch that movie again, you go, oh, yeah, you know what? It kind of does feel like something that's kind of put together. But anyway, um, it's neither here nor there. It's just a little bit of a, like Hollywood insider that if somebody really wanted to really wanted to do something and really wanted to like actually make money and not sit there and starve like directors do, uh, go into editing, like really go into editing. Um, yeah, so, it's yeah. something I, I wish I had gotten into. It, it always fascinated me. I just never by the time I got I was just like, eh, I, I'm not going to take the time. Um, <laughs> no, I, I understand. Uh, it's a lot of money, too. I mean, cause so you have to buy it. Yeah, that, yeah, that those programs are not like I couldn't imagine doing it in the old days on like the, the with the like Steamback or whatever like mm-hmm. that, that kind of no, but uh, like just the computer software and the ability to run it and the, yeah, mm-hmm. like it seems maddening. Um, so let's wrap up with this, and uh, we kind of talked about it off podcast, but like mm-hmm. so the Jonathan Majors thing, it is what it is. We'll have to talk about him. I'm mm-hmm. curious about like, so Marvel has released him from his contract. Wh- like, what do you do next? Do you do you think they'll recast, or do you think they will scrap the Kang stuff? Uh, here's the other thing about Marvel, and and I know it's been brought up by by mm-hmm. certain people. Like, yes, the product they're putting out lately has not been great. But also, fuck, man, they can't catch a break on shit. They really can't. Like, for they the really last can't. three and a half years, every time they turn around, there's some other fucking catastrophe that they did not cause. No, nope. <laughs> It is delaying everything. Like, it, it's so funny because, like, I know there were delays in the beginning. But like mm-hmm. once that machine got rolling, like that I mean, even the the things that were kind of misses, like Thor the Dark World, like it was it was just like going, like the trains going, and like the misses like still hit pretty good, and but like nope, this train's gonna keep going, like you can't stop the train, and mm-hmm. and they got there, they fucking got it all the way to the other side of the country. They landed it. Nobody got nothing got derailed. Fucking success. They're like, all right, let's run it again. And it's just like every five feet, there's something on the fucking track. 
<laughs> that they didn't put there. Like, it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> post in game, it's just like, oh, here's a worldwide fucking pandemic. <laughs> so, okay, so um, I'm gonna compare it to baseball or sports, right? Um, specifically, let's talk Braves and Dodgers, right? Because you're a Braves fan. I'm a I'm a semi I'm a semi new because fuck the Angels because they ruined Otani and they're ruining Trout and I hope Trout leaves. Um, I, I hope he goes to with his buddy. I hope he I hope he I hope he goes to the Dodgers and they win a World Series. That's how much I I hate my old team and and Art Moreno. Like yeah, you got you guys lost a, a lifelong fan, a guy who saw Reggie as an angel, a guy who saw Noli as an angel and became a fan because of Noli. Like, that should tell you exactly how deeply embedded I am. But neither here nor there, okay? The Braves won in 2021, and what happened in 2022? Yep. <laughs> it went off the rails. The, the Dodgers, Dodgers, 10 years, right? 10, or, or like over the last 10 years, uh, one in, what was it, 2022? Did we win in 2022? Yeah, I think it was 2022. One in 2022. What happened in 2023? Nothing but problems. So I think it's like like going back to back is really fucking hard. Like in sports, as a sports analogy, right? I almost can see it as like the, they are like Marvel is the equivalent of the Chicago Bulls from like say 90 to 96, right? Or 89 to 96 when they went Back to back to back. Didn't go one year because Mike was gone. Came back and they did back to back to back. Right? Yeah. You know how hard that is. We all know yep. how hard that is. And to do it, to do it two times is like the equivalent of what they did over ten movie, like over three Avengers movies, culminating into two. So five Avenger movies, or, or no, it's like four Avengers movies. Right? Let's see. Avengers, Age of Ultron, oh, Infinity War, Endgame. So four movies, right? So they went four Pete with movies in between. So like their regular seasons. That's unheard of. So when you get to Endgame, like it almost feels like it's natural that problems would come up, but not the ethical, epic biblical proportioned, like issues that they had right i mean nobody could have seen the pandemic then the actor strike then the writer strike but then in between there they have all these little micro things that happen all this little micro bullshit that happens actors um like set work and issues with with various things like it's almost like end game ended and they should have closed shop for like five years right yeah. Like, yeah. like, let's just close shop and not do anything for five years and then come back and reassess and start over again. But yeah. you can't. You can't, right? No, because you, um, you got to keep the train running because exactly. all these other people are like, come on, man, let's let's go. Like, wh what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And you, you can't, like, rest on your laurels for even five minutes, let alone three, four or five years. And so you're just the product you have is like, you know, and at some point, like, yes, I do wish a lot of it was better. But at some point, I'm just like, I do want to look at the haters and be like, 
they're doing the best they can, man. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, I like they keep like chugging along despite the fact that like things keep happening that are completely beyond their control. You know, yeah, it's it, it's not an overworked actor. It's literally an actor who like, oh shit, he's not the person we maybe thought he was um exactly you know or now we've got to deal with this pr nightmare or now we have like it it's just and when i say they i don't necessarily mean the company i mostly just mean kevin feige who's just like i just want to make these goofy like silly comic book movies and, and have a good time and show that you know we this is sustainable and like it's proving not sustainable (laughs) No, it's not. <laughs> and not because of there not being the the like will or will to do it or the the material or like it, it's just like things keep happening and, and yeah, it's maddening. So anyway, the point being like so so what do you do next? Like do do you do you go back and scrap everything again like i know a lot of this stuff gets addressed uh or speculated on in in the book that came out recently um yeah but but not to this level like because unfortunately like or fortunately joanna and dave did not know that this major's problem would be a major problem um i'm not trying to be coy about that just didn't know what to say other than that um okay so (laughs) yeah Majors is a major problem, right? Um, so I feel like they already have it in, like, they already, like, so if we're talking Feige, Feige always loves to solve multiple problems at the same time because it's the best way to do it. And I feel like he learned that from the Donners because I don't think, like, little, little known fact, he started with the Donners. I mean, he saw all of the problems that Brian Singer created on the X-Men sets. And the the chaos that ensued. So he understood how much, how hard it was to make these things. And especially with a fucking asshole like Brian Singer. And I can fucking say that because I've heard the stories. Everybody heard the stories. You can actually read about them. Um, and, and how much they formulated what he felt could be the best way to do things, right? And so I feel like he likes to troubleshoot at multiple levels. Because that's the way that the Donners used to do it. That's the way that Richard Donner used to do it all the time. You could see it in his films. It's kind of beautiful. I love. Like, I've not said this before. God bless Richard Donner because he was he was always a mensch. He was always a good like he was a great director, but he was also a good human being. I met him once. He was hilarious. He made me laugh. Um, he made me feel like I was the only person in the room. And, and a I good sw- producer. You know, yes. like, like he doesn't get the credit for uh, which I mean, maybe he does in like the actual circles, but like yeah. people don't talk about him as a producer in the way that they they probably should. I don't think like uh, he he just seemed like he was not not producing to put his name out there, but like just trying to help people like it was things he believed in. For the most part, you know, like, oh, I yeah. like, I like this. I like what you're doing. Like, let me help you do it. Not like I want to put my name on something and be like, that's a Richard Donner thing, you know? And no, no absolutely not. Yeah, you're right. You know, uh, Kevin Feige is maybe a little bit more of a, uh, uh, like bigger figure than mm-hmm. Donner was as a producer, but 
you know, it's also like, yeah, but like he, this is a guy that like took a lot of lessons from the greatest producers, uh, maybe we've that we 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 have seen in our lifetime for sure, um, yeah. and like took those lessons and turned it into something that's like done something that nobody would have ever thought was possible. And so like, he kind of deserves to be a little more out there, but yeah, like, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you're on the money. So, so with my solve, what I think he's going to do is what we've already seen the groundwork laid, which solves one issue of, Kang so you're not you don't have to have Kang anymore because Loki season Two has resolved that it's also The inflection point to where I think Where he's going to go which is the Thing that everybody's been asking for Which is a return to Marvel Prime like everybody knows Like I, it's a shorthand I, I've come up with the shorthand of Marvel Prime Because we're in We're, we're in uh, we're in Marvel Alpha right now because Man, this does feel like an alpha beta, like an alpha slash beta testing thing, right? Where they're just trying to figure out what sticks to the wall because, and here's the crazy part, because you and I were there at ground zero when everybody was saying, who knows the Avengers? Who knows fucking Iron Man? Who knows Captain America? Who knows all these fucking people? Like we heard that. I mean, we literally heard that from the same fucking people that are now complaining to bring Cap and Iron Man back because they're right. so iconic, right? So the problem is, is that everybody wants the because icons. Because it's getting too woke. <laughs> yes, because, yeah, getting too woke. Oh, shit, you're right. You're right that that's what they're saying. Because, like, but anyways, but I feel like... You know who what the fuck they to... were 10 years ago, and now you're like, <laughs> I don't want this woke shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, but what I think is, is that... it. Okay, so... Loki never liked, never didn't like an idea that he didn't steal from somebody else, right? And so it makes perfect sense if somehow the Lo Loki Prime becomes the instigator of secret wars because he has a handle on all the times. And if he's just sitting there holding time together, he's going to get bored because he's a mature, like Loki's general purpose is to create chaos and havoc. So if you have that framework already set, it would be so easy for him to pull people from the time from the various timelines that he's holding together and have a little fuck around fun, i.e. Secret Wars. And it makes sense when you think about the fact that they now say that it's not it's no longer. The King Dynasty, it's Secret Wars Part One and Secret Wars Part Two. That's yeah. what they're working towards. And it also goes into my so they don't have a director right now. And it goes to my theory that Benson and Moorhead are going to be the directors because they want duos. They love like Feige. If Feige could have cloned the Russos and yeah. kept them at bay, he fucking would. And he would have continued to fucking let them make movies like force them to make movies, force them to make Avengers movies because they got it right. I mean, they were the. They were the compliment to Kevin. Like Kevin couldn't find anybody that he he thought that he had it in John. And then we both we we've heard the rumors about the infighting and all of the all of the craziness that went on between those two and the and the 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 succession of power, right? Because 
all John wanted. And he still hasn't gotten it. And that's kind of sad, right? Because he thought I think that he thought that he was going to get Star Wars handed to him. And he didn't. It got to yeah. date, right? Like, like there's always seems to be this thing that's in his way that kind of stumbles over him. I feel bad for John. But at the same time, he's not the right person. He's not the right person, right? So my theory is, is that Kevin, that was the perfect combination of director producer they were just enough deferential and just enough from tv in understanding that the producer is the king that until they got the one-two punch of the biggest movies of all fucking time they were doing their jobs so why not give it to a duo that can split the work of a massive production they are from the indie world they may be a little bit more mercurial because they like the timey-wimey Doctor Who of it all, like that kind of forward-thinking science, like the the kind of like mind-expanding science. But when you, if you're gonna bring Loki in and you're gonna have you want you want Tom to come back to play the main villain, why not give him his, his like who, what he said in the making of? These two men are brilliant. I love them. I love working with them. I love what they brought to the character and to the series. Why don't you want to bring somebody that can bring him back? Because if you bring him back, guess what? There's pretty, like, we already know fucking Hemsworth is going to play Thor until he can play Odin. Like, that's, like, he's going to be like Tom Cruise, right? Like, I know that he says that the whole, like, oh, I found out that I, I could be, I could have, I could have degenerative brain stuff. That fool's going to be making Thor movies until he's like at least 60. Yeah, because I mean, you, if can you do play... one of those every few years, cash a check, and like, and, and it's it's not, it's something you've done enough at this point that it's like a like muscle memory almost. Right? Yes, that's what it is. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, a fun character. It'll be less stunts, probably, you know, and more oh, yeah. just him like walking around like just being thor but i mean yeah we'll we'll still th throw down some money to watch that so exactly and it's gonna be an avengers movie what i'm saying is is that i feel like the table is set as long as you get tom hiddleston then you get hemsworth i mean hemsworth already signed to a contract but then it becomes easier to get evans and it also becomes easier to get of course well if Robert Downey Jr. wins his Oscar this year, then I feel like it's on the on the table. If he doesn't, yeah. it's not on the table. Yeah. Like, like that's that's God's honest truth. I feel like that's what it is. And that means that you probably want to recast, even though I know it's sacrilege, I almost feel like you want to recast that with an alt version, right? Like whoever you decide to cast, it becomes from the alt universe, right? If you can get them to be in a one-off where he's facing off against his own, like his own version, like, you know, his own variant, fine. But it's not the same variant. It's somebody else. I don't know. Like, I honestly, I think I told you years ago and you laughed at me <laughs> because I don't think you like this guy, but I feel like he is, he is the antecedent or like he is basically like copacetic of what, what RDJ brings is Miles Teller. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Teller. I don't love Miles Teller. I've got a little bit more appreciation for him, and in it's the last couple, yeah, the last yeah. couple of years has been a little. Um, I think he kind of kind of suffered from that thing that a lot of actors that that kind of break big at his age, 
you know, mm-hmm. you saw it a lot in the 80s with like the Brat Pack, and it's just like, okay, yeah, yeah. man, but like you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> exactly. Either him or Glenn Powell. Like either two. Glenn either Powell two of those... might be better than he believes he is. <laughs> so. Oh, oh, we know. Well, all we have to do is watch him in. Like all you have to do is watch him in Hidden Figures. Like I feel like Hidden Figures is the key to it all with him. Is that if you take him and you look at the the icon that he takes on and just how easy he fits into that and how charming he is, it's like. Jesus, but he almost feels like a cap variant. Like yeah. to me, he almost feels like he's almost as good as Evans in that kind of Gary Cooper American way. That you almost want him to be an, a variant of Cap if Evans doesn't want to come back. But I have a I have a feeling that they're going to prompt <laughs> Evans with, okay, well, if you do this and you just do this once, we'll let you play old man Cap for a couple of uh, a couple of movies and figure out yeah. how to do that. Um, because like you know that he wants to play old man cap like who doesn't want to play old man cap right i i like, like the so i i i wish they'd give it a little more breathing room because i'm kind mm-hmm. i'm kind of really into the idea of like uh i know the meandering marvel that currently exists people are are, are ready to just shed and get rid of and but mm-hmm. i like the idea of them doing these like weird strange things for a few more years and then, like, six, seven years from now, we have this, like, this version of the, like, these old versions of these characters that are just, like, those old man Logan types of things. Yes. And, and doing that with those characters for a few years, like, so so that you can, like, play with them having actually aged, which is not something the comics ever get to do a ton of you know i Mm. i I do really really like that idea um but it's gonna be it's it's interesting like what an interesting year yeah this has turned out to be like in in all fronts i mean we have not talked about football in a while and i don't want to get into it uh here because there'll be another we'll add another hour to this podcast but like It's just like everything I'm into has gotten way and not interesting in a like always this is fun way more in a like what the fuck <laughs> like way <laughs> of like how, str- how much stranger could all of this get you know like literally the Eagles and the Cowboys are fighting for playoff spot like I never thought that I would be like Last, considering last year, you would think that the Eagles would be like the Dolphins. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? And like, like it's just it's wild. Like, like my Packers are not going to make the playoffs, and that's okay because they don't need to make the playoffs because they're playing like ass. Um, but at least they're better than the Bears by one game, by one fucking game. <laughs> that's all that matters. Um, yeah, that's all that matters. Like, like now it's, for me, it's all about that. Or it's like. Okay, so like like your team of all things are are playing very strangely, right? Like like if it's a good team, they they show up, but when it's a shit team, yeah, uh, you score maybe. seven points against the worst team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They exactly. have one win coming into there. One win. Yep. It if you it, lived here or even relatively close to me. 
Sunday, we could have hopped in the car, drove to that field, and gotten yep. in for less than two dollars. I, I saw that. I literally saw that, and I was going to text you and ask, "Are you gonna Are you gonna go to one of these games?" But I was afraid you were gonna be like, "No, nah, man, it's too depressing." I now mean, you made me depressed. I, dude, if <laughs> I'd have driven that way to watch him lose nine to seven, oh my god, I'm already calling for Arthur Smith's job every week, but. Yeah, I'm just like, how, how how did you manage that? Like, they have a top ten, top twelve defense, and yeah, mm-hmm. they held the team to three field goals. Like that that's that's a win for the defense, man. Like they lost some gas there at the end, but like, shit, they're they were on the field all the time. The offense could not put a yeah. It, Anyway, yeah, like I said, I don't want to be here another hour. Or I'm sure nobody wants to listen to it for another hour. It's (laughs) such a strange fucking year in all of these things. And, like, I I don't know. I'm I'm a little excited to see what 2024 brings. A little nervous to see what 2024 brings. I mean, if you'd have told me in January of 2023... Where I'm going to end up at the end of the year, I would have been like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I'm going to have a dog <laughs> and yeah. be back living alone and, you know, not working from home. And, like, yeah, I, I just I would have never saw any of this shit coming. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have thought, like, Barbie's going to be one of my favorite films of the year. Like, it's just such a fucking weird year. And, you know, I've, I feel like you can probably throw that on any year, but like really, really this year, like nothing really turned out like I thought it would. And, and it's so, so strange. So it, it really is. <laughs> um, it really it's really one of those things like I could not you can't make this up. Right. Yeah. Like, you literally could not make it up. Like, I, I mean, yeah. Like it's it's just it's crazy, right? Like, like, like you said, to which like twenty twenty three was something. It it was it's what do they say? what do the kids say? It, like wasn't on my bingo card. Like yeah. none of this was on my bingo card. Yeah. You know, um, like you know, if you had told me at the beginning, like you know, all the people that are gonna make movies and these are the ones, and like where do you think things are gonna end up? I would tell you that, like, my top five films or my top four, like say my top three or four would not be listed in the way that they're listed. Like yeah. they just wouldn't because it's like, it's such a wild, like I feel like 2023 at the end of the day was like, like I think of something that we said when we talked about Barbieheimer, which is it's, it's, it's directors really flexing. Like the ones that knew what they were doing, like really flexed and flexed hard. Like yeah. how do you, how do you get like, I count at least three movies in my estimation are classics are like going to be instant. Like they are instant classics. Like they are movies that are going to be talked about in 10, 20 and 30 years. Um, like that never happens. Like that happens in the summer of 82. When you get the thing, you get Blade Runner, you get Star Trek two. Um, you get all these wild ass movies, right? It doesn't happen in 2023. Like, yeah. and not with the <laughs> movies that you got. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Which 
to which I'm always wondering, like, I'm going to have to ask my dad because he was like a vicarious moviegoer when I was a kid, like got to see all the stuff and didn't take me along. I mean, he, he also worked in a place, uh, he worked at UCLA. So he actually like outside of UCLA, there is a section, like a probably a two mile square radius where there's literally nine theaters and not just nine theaters. Like they are nine anywhere between 750 to 1200 seat theaters. Mm. Um, and so he got to see everything on the big screen. Right. But I have to ask him what it was like in 82 to see all these movies and just go like, because it's like, to me, I, I keep on watching these movies and I'm like, am I wrong to think that these are great movies? Like, am everything that I saw for a certain point, like we talked about in summer, remember, like everything yeah. we saw was either, it was anywhere between good, decent to classic like barbie is a classic right yeah like it's not gonna fucking like that that movie is going to be like when we when we talk about ryan gosling it's gonna be fucking it's gonna be barbie when we talk about margot robbie barbie america ferrera barbie greta gerwig probably barbie yeah i don't know that woman has nothing but like like all like her of all the people out of barbie i feel like she's the one that like I am most interested in the next move because it's like, what do you do next? Do you, like you probably don't want to do Barbie too, even though you're going to do it. Yeah. But what do you do in between that? You know? Um, so yeah, it's gonna it's wild. Like nothing that happened this year was on my bingo card. And for the most part, for the good, there's been some bad, but you know, I mean, right, like you get to a point when I mean, I'm 45, you're 44, you're going to be 45, and I'm going to be 46 next year. And at that point in your life, it's like Indiana Jones said, and in the stupidest of all his movies, you know, we're at the point where life stops giving you things and starts taking it away. So, like, that takeaway sometimes can be hurtful. Um, and, uh, I mean, just bad things happen. But anyway, like, it's all to say, wow, it was pretty fucking wild this year and i did not expect did not expect anything that came out of cinema i mean we, we were we were here ground zero right we were talking about it all we all year long and it's just kind of like wild to think that i i just i find it amusing that there's finally a transformers movie that i loved like i actually loved it i loved it and nobody loved it and nobody saw it like i mean people saw it but they didn't love it and i'm like how the fuck can we go through seven other movies one of which like condones pedophilia and all y'all love that those ones but as soon as we get another we get a reiteration of this and they give us a nice little like coming soon you wanted it we're gonna give it to you and nobody did anything about it nobody liked it nobody wanted to go see it they're like oh just another transformers movie yeah <clears throat> so um, um yeah it, we, uh, next year is gonna oh, be Next year is going to be like wild. Just to see what happens. Um, I I will be in town the weekend okay. of New Year's. So uh, if if uh, you're free, I'm sure we can record something. Um, because I doubt I will have plans. I will probably be sitting here with my dog. Um, but uh, yeah, go check out everything else we do uh, over at xwingfiles.com little quiet right now because you know holidays elizabeth just had her baby congratulations oh, elizabeth congratulations yeah. liz harley and 
Oh, Charlie yeah. as a girl. Ha- no, like Harley. It. Harley. Harley. Oh, I thought I said Charlie. Okay, Harley. No, Harley. Harley. Okay, I-, I like it. I like it. Um. Well, I hope that uh, I hope that everything is going well. And like you know, by well, I mean that she's up all hours of the night because that's what my children, <laughs> most infants, do. Yeah. Um. And I hope that the pain isn't all that all that great because she's, childbirth she's is all right. When I talked to her today, so they, they seem okay. to be really good. So, so it'll probably be uh, relatively quiet while she gets used to to motherhood. And I mean, honestly, there's not there's not any Star Wars. The, what if is coming up? Uh, yeah, tomorrow and tomorrow you know, through New Year's. That'll yeah, yeah, that'll wrap up around New Year's. So, um, other than that, and Echo coming out, like yeah, it's gonna be real quiet for a while. So. Uh, but yeah, and then of course you can check out uh, my writing over Adam's website. Yes, and something is posting tomorrow as we record this on a Thursday. Um, yeah. And a per- I'll, I'll have a per- the pictures added to that tonight. <laughs> Absolutely, I figured that you would. I was going to ask about that offline, but um, uh, but it's actually the kind of the perfect. Um, perfect christmas and to end the year because uh logan is ta- I'll, like you know this will post by the time this will have posted after we had posted the, the article so it's no surprise lilo and stitch which i didn't realize i needed to rewatch again and i started watching it and like i thinking about like everything that you said i got was a pet on it like i i can't believe that's not like your favorite fucking disney movie <laughs> so uh it's it, 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 it like because like there are certain movies like especially when it involves dogs or pets like it's too much emotion for me and it'll be like i mean this is giving a little bit too much to people but like literally the sight of certain things and certain movies will bring me to tears like that's how much of a like a like an empathetic movie viewer that i am with certain things and lilo and stitch is one of those things where it's not like nothing bad happens to. St- I mean, things bad happen to Stitch. But yeah, it's not like there's no dead animal at the end of that movie. Yes. It's just yeah. like it's just moving for for reasons that aren't extremely emotionally manipulative. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> it's just circumstances. Not like, hey, you know what'll get the kids crying if we shoot the dog. <laughs> exactly. It fucking exactly. So, um. Yeah, and then I, I literally turned it off because I was like, I don't need tears right now. Um, because in a lot of ways, Stitch reminds me of my OG dog. Like the yeah. dog that like like Puskin was my first dog and like not really my first dog, but he was like my first adult dog. The one that I acted like the way that you are with Ripley, that was my first that was my thing with with Puskin. And so so yeah, like it instantly brought it's like, like even now, like I can't really talk about it too much because like, you will literally hear me cry. Like you will literally hear me stop and like my voice will change and I won't be able to finish it. But needless to say, um, you guys should really like this one is great. Like because Lilo and Stitch is such a happy movie and it has such a heartwarming. It's a truly it has a heartwarming message behind it, but it's done with just enough attitude. Like, that's what I loved. Like, that's what I, I forgot about it is that there's, yeah, a, lot there's of little, a lot of attitude, little kid tude. Yeah. <laughs> little, little weirdness, little like, yeah, yeah. Kids are fucking weird, man. Like they do things like <laughs> throw a hissy fit because they didn't get to feed 
Pudge the fish is peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, because Pudge yeah. controls the weather. And it's just like, what? <laughs> but if you've ever <laughs> been around like a kid, it's just like, I don't know what you're talking about or how you arrived at this conclusion. <laughs> so, but yeah, whatever, whatever keeps you from having an emotional meltdown, we'll do that thing. Exactly. um so yeah like you guys can read that um i have a bunch of uh, i have a bunch of home video releases that are on the site um one of the big ones because it's one of my favorite shows of all time we were just talking about how like like the adults of the world love procedurals well i guess i'm one of those adults because um one of my favorite tv shows of all time the man who i aspire to be and i probably am becoming if you ask my wife um columbo yeah. Um, the 70s era Peter Falk is a fucking goat I fucking love Peter Falk um, It's a very personal review uh, So like if you want to read about Like you know six year old Adam And his grandparents and why he became Fascinated with Columbo Please read that um, And uh, Yeah but I mean like Logan's thing Is really big and then there would be other home video releases uh, JFK I, uh, I reviewed the 4k of that And that thing's fucking beautiful it's been a long time since I saw that fucking masterpiece. Like that was just like, wow. Like I, I forgot how good that movie was, but anywho. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, oh, it's the movie spelled with an I, not an A. Um, but we'll be back next week where I'm going to like tonight, I'm going to probably venture into the Snyderverse with his, mm. you say that there's not a star Wars movie coming out, but there's a star uh, Wars movie coming out. And okay. it's, <laughs> well, I can't wait for you to tell me what that's like because I'm not. Unless you tell me it's good, I'm not gonna fucking watch it. Oh, <laughs> like, no. I we, looked, we all know it ain't. I, I was just like, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week. Um, I, I will. I promise I will have watched something that isn't Spin City uh, before then. Um, I don't know what, but it'll be something. Um, until then. Uh, Happy holidays. Happy holidays, guys. Watch Reacher. <laughs> I might watch Reacher. Number one, Star Wars, number two, comics, number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, number four, Mario, number five, Weird Al, number six, Batman, number seven, Cal, number eight, the Simpsons, number nine, TV, number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s, but they're really all sold out. Say hello together if